We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a bonus Wednesday episode, Talking Buffalo podcast. A good way to start September off. We're taping this on the 31st, okay, at night, but you're listening to this. Hopefully, you're listening to this anyway on September 1st. What a great way to start off the month, man. And I'll tell you right now, Bill's roster cut down day here on Tuesday, so I'm sure there is a sea of Buffalo Bills podcasts out there right now breaking down the cuts. Some of them are being taped live on Tuesday night. Some of them are dropping Wednesday morning like this one. I'm glad to have a recurring guest, good friend of mine from Buffalo Rumblings, Anthony Marino's with me, dude. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Pat, it is always a pleasure to be on with you and talking about the Buffalo Bills on the roster cutdown day. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I mean, obviously we're going to dive into some of the moves. Nothing shocking. Eh, A couple surprises, but I think they're temporary surprises. And again, we'll hit on that. And again, we got a lot to cover, so not going to spend a ton of time like small talking, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to. So last time I talked to you was right after the first round of the draft and Anthony jumped on with me at one o'clock in the morning that night. And I'm still very appreciative because I'm going to tell you right now, man, that's tough. That's late. (laughs) And it's a long day for you. And then it's a very long night, a lot going on. So I'm still very appreciative for you, you doing that. But this was like the first off-season, complete off-season at Rumblings with a kind of uh, what I call a retooled Buffalo Rumblings crew. Uh, you know, the content there, man, it's just been turning out great stuff, man. And uh, the video presence is continuing to grow on YouTube, Buffalo Rumblings as well. But talk about their process a little bit, because I mean, obviously you got Bruce and, and some of the mainstays, including yourself, Matt, but this was like Joe Miller's first full off-season. This was Jay Spence's first full off season. They brought a lot to the table. So kind of just talk for a minute or two about uh, just the process of, of Rumley's and kind of like reinventing yourselves a little bit, continuing to grow. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun, Pat. And I'll be quite honest. I mean, it's been just over two years since really started ramping up the, call it the podcast lineup that we had, mm-hmm. right? Back April, 2019, right before the draft, when the bills took at Oliver, just a couple months later, um, Bruce Nolan joined us as part of the Nick and Nolan show at the time. And with so much of that, right, it just continued to raise the profile of what we were able to do, where 
you know, we've been pretty consistent in having a new show, at least one new show coming out each and every day. Yeah. You know, sometimes where maybe we'll do a best of here and there, maybe it's a holiday or a holiday weekend. But when you build that up to when you have seven to 10 new shows a week, it was a lot of fun because you've got different voices. You know, some might like my show. Some will prefer Bruce. Some like Jamie D and Big Newt. Mm-hmm. But we also had gotten to a point with that where it's, hey, with the podcast lineup, there's so much growth that you can have and what you're really looking for and being particular. But when it came to streaming and the ability to do things on YouTube, we didn't have much of a presence. And when we went through, I mean, it was Jay Spence, the King was the first one to come over. Uh, I'd say like midway through the 2020 season and doing the, the code of conduct and the chop up with Mookie Hawkins and Jay Spence. I mean, for everything that he does, right. I mean, you talk about a, uh, I call him a young man cause he's certainly younger than me, but mm-hmm. like a young man with, with aspirations to, to put out a great product each and every time. And to just take the time, the guests that he's bringing to his show each and every week. I mean, he had Mike Robinson on this week on the code of conduct with him from the NFL network. And you just think, you know, to that extent for him to come and spend a half an hour with him and what he can do. So when I say I'm incredibly proud of what he's done, it's, it's, almost like as a, an uncle or a family member, I guess you could say. Um, but he was really that first person to come and say, we are going to dedicate ourselves to this and let me start to come through with this vision. And then it was Joe Miller that came in March. And, you know, I mean, Joe just comes with the voice, but the energy, the enthusiasm, again, the professionalism, the consistency, and these two guys just, they hit the ground running. When I say they're, they're aggressive, I mean that in a real positive way of like, hey, we want to try new things. We want to try some new shows. Um, you know, we're going to bring on this guest. We're going to team up and do this. We're going to do an event live in Buffalo and be broadcasting from that. They bring a dynamic, one, the rapport that they have with each, with each other, which just comes across whether you're watching it on YouTube or you listen in the podcast form. But those two guys in such a way, right, just took us from like zero to 100 in a short period of time. And Joe, Joe just started at the beginning of March, right? Yeah. I mean, you could almost think like, oh, Joe's been doing this with Buffalo Rumblings for a long time. It hasn't even been during the regular season. Joe hasn't even been on talking about a, a real game yet, which is um, which is kind of crazy because you think what they have established. And then, of course, the the most recent step. Bruce Nolan really getting involved on the YouTube side of things with us. Nate Geary joining him, yeah. the Food for Thought that they do each Friday. You know, great guests for them already. Jay Skursky, Marcel Luis Jock, Joe Biscalia. They're going to have other national guests with them. So it's building up that content. And we're going to be announcing some more shows too coming for the regular season to really kind of match some of that consistency we have with the podcast channel to have that YouTube presence as well, but also where all of our YouTube shows will be available in podcast format. Because again, people, they they want the content. They want to be able to, to hear takes on the Buffalo bills. It's I'll be honest. I mean, I want us to be consistent throughout the off season. So if it's June and nothing is going on, I still want us to have a new show 
each and every day because the numbers show that the fans want to listen. And I think for us to be able to do that, of course, you have Joe Marino, who just does a fantastic job with Locked On Bills, um, yourself, who stays consistent throughout the offseason. The, the fans appreciate it. And as long as they're listening, we want to keep putting out the shows for them. It's been yeah. a lot of fun, though. Well, I'll tell you, man, I'm a big fan. And I've, I've known Joe Miller for a couple of years. I've had him on the show a bunch. He brings a great energy and a great attitude, a great outlook. I like him a lot. And then I just recently had Jay on Jay Spence on, on the podcast for the first time. And that was the first time I had like a legitimate real conversation with him. And I was kind of blown away, man. He is very driven. He's talented too. And he's getting great guests. And I'll tell you one more thing. And, and then we'll jump into some mill stuff here because I, I got to say this, man, my single favorite podcasting moment of 2021 so far, whether it's Buffalo bills, Buffalo sports, national shit, whatever you want to call it, my favorite podcast. I, I got to tip the cap here because, and, and I know I pretty much say this every time I have anyone on Romans. I don't know any time I get going about this topic, but that musical that Bruce did with his wife not long ago, I mean, come on, the creativity. You talk about putting out a show every day between your crew during the off season. It's hard to do something once a week, let alone twice a week. During an off season and the, to have the creativity and the originality to come up with the, not even just the concept, but the execution of it and the songs and the way they tied in and, and the storytelling inside a fun little musical and the lyrics and, and the songs and the performance of doing it, man, that to me shows why, and I've been saying this and you know this, I, I've told you this, I've told everybody this, man, for a couple of years though. I think Bruce is the elite podcaster when it comes to the bills at this point, whether it's uh, he's right up there, him, Joe, Joe Marino, you talked about the, they're as good as it gets in different ways too. You know what I mean? But Bruce, man, he just takes it to, he takes it to another level, that musical. And by the way, maybe I'll put it in the, in the show notes. You guys, I can't even say it because I know people who are listening to this. I've already heard it, but I, maybe I'll just throw that link in a case, but just talk about that episode in the, and their creativity to, to do something like that. I mean, it, was, it just blew me away. It really did. Pat, I am so glad that you brought this up, right? Because I still remember even when Bruce messaged me when I was in the office and it was kind of like after hours checking on some things, right? Because offices weren't open. You're checking on. And I get a, a, a message from Bruce saying like, you know how I was talking about doing this musical? And I was like, yeah, you know, and you think, Guys throw ideas out sometimes. They're thinking about it. But he's like, well, I did with one of the tracks and I want to send it to you. So I'm like, all right, like send it through. And it's like not downloading on my phone. Then I get it. I can't listen. And he's like, I really want you to hear this. So I download it and I hear one of the tracks and I am just like, this man has a gift. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we can we can say that about people and you throw out compliments uh, easily sometimes. But one of those to to just say one, the, the creativity to come with the storyline, to put it together, to do the song parodies, to perform it yourself, to get your wife to do this with you. But also to take a leap of faith and sort of be like, I don't know if people are really going to like this or not. Right. I mean, there's things we can do. We can put out any one of us can put out a show and talk about the bills and come with a hot take or whatever it is right. that we want to sure. do. And that's fine. Right. You can put yourself out there. Bruce Nolan put himself out there and doing this musical and saying, 
I'm going to have some fun with this. It combines a couple of my passions from what I used to do younger in life. That was the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And that is, you know, as a, again, from a creativity standpoint, but someone that is a friend to just say like, dude, this is phenomenal. One. And two, I have no idea how you're going to follow this up because you know, people will be looking for it next year. And uh, knowing him, he's probably already got a pad and pen and, you know, working on different, different scripts as we speak. I was banging out the music at uh, Tim Horton's drive through in the morning that it, uh, that it came out. I've really, I have enjoyed watching Bruce ascend and you know him. I know him to an extent. He doesn't look for that stuff. You know what I mean? He's not in it for those reasons. He's not trying to be a big podcasting star. He does it because he enjoys it. He has no interest in doing it, you know, for a living. He's just really naturally good at it. And uh, he's enjoying it. But it's, been, it's fun to watch, especially like on social media, particularly Twitter. He's reached, I think he's reached that same level when it comes to fans. Anyway, and I want to make sure I say this right. Like Joe Biscaglia and Sal Capaccio and Matt Fairburn and all these, Tim Graham, these great Bills reporters and columnists and, and feature writers. I think Bruce in circles, at least especially on social media, people who know him, people who have followed him on Twitter, people especially who listen to his, to his work on podcasting. I think he's reached that same level of respect as those guys that I just mentioned. And it's been a fun process. And now when people got questions, like I said, they'll still go to Joe. They'll still go to, to Matthew and Tim and those guys, but they'll go to Bruce too now. You know what I mean? And what Bruce says or what he thinks holds a lot of water with Bill's fans. And I think that's the ultimate compliment that you could give somebody because when you get to a point where what you say matters to other people and, and they value your insight, that is an awesome compliment to get. You know, I do this podcast and with me, it's like chicken wings, which I can't stand that shit anymore. But that's the way it is. Like, when there's questions about wings, people, for whatever reason, man, seem to come to me. They don't care about my bill stakes. And I really don't pop a lot of them out there because I have guys like yourself and Bruce and, and Joe and all those guys on. That's the reason why I have you guys on. But he's reached that level when it comes to the bills. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's a lot of fun to see the respect that he gets almost universally now. You know what I'm saying? That It's fun to watch. No, it is fun to watch. And I think in a lot of ways, Bruce brings a perspective that I... I can't compare to anyone else that covers the bills, right? I mean, there are so many great individuals that cover the team and and you feel uh, blessed to be able to interact with them. But Bruce brings a voice that is very different from anyone else out there, which is not easy to do. And I should say this too, you know, when we talk about how the Buffalo Rumblings podcast side of things has grown and the ability to do what we're doing now on YouTube, that really does not happen without him. Right. I mean, when Nick and Nolan came over, you know, things went from being really good to great. And I say that not in a way to be boastful or anything along those lines, but it became here is this signature show again that is so much different from anything else that is out there. No one is going to confuse confuse what Nick and Nolan were doing or the Bruce exclusive with breaking Buffalo rumblings, right? The show that I do or the countless shows that are out there, such a unique voice and perspective and things have continued to grow because you have 
that flagship personality. And as you said, he just brings a great perspective to it. And, uh, and energy, Anthony, energy matters too. You know, there's a lot of podcasters out there that are too hyper. They speak way too fast and it's like a mile a minute. And then there's other guys out there who are in such monotone. It sounds like they're sleeping half the time during the podcast. (laughs) You know what I mean? The energy means a lot, man. It's just, uh, I mean, I, you know how I feel. I, I love the whole Rumblings crew, but yeah, man, I, I could sit here and talk about Bruce for an hour, probably one or two times a week. We will turn the page. In fact, you know what? I'm going to take a really quick break. We're going to come back. Buffalo Bills, NFL cut down daily. Plenty more coming up in just a second with my man, Anthony Marino. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, dude. So we're taping this late, well, semi-late Tuesday night. As of now, the original Buffalo Bills 53, when people are listening to this, depending on when they do, things might be a little bit different. But before we get going with specifics, I saw a stat on Twitter from Dan Fates that I wanted to throw out there. I didn't really... I never thought of it this way, but we kind of knew, we knew there was a good chance the Bills would keep seven wide receivers. And for now, anyway, that's what they did. And we also thought that the Bills could keep 11 defensive linemen. And they have, and that's even with the Bam Johnson trade, at least. Again, for now, Dan pointing this out, 34% of the Bills' current roster are wide receivers and defensive linemen. Is that, is that common? Seven receivers, 11 defensive linemen? I mean, I haven't really studied the league. But I'd be willing to bet that that's there's not a lot of teams that probably are carrying 34% of the roster at those two positions. Well, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, right? But even when you talk about wide receiver, and there was the question of, you know, will the Bills keep keep six or will they keep seven? I even think it was a few years ago they only kept five. But think of how much four wide receiver sets they play in yeah. at this time, right? I mean – you almost have to keep seven at this point. I mean, if you've got four guys out there 75% of the time and you say that and like, listen, Diggs has been banged up. Sanders is 34 years old. Cole Beasley's on the wrong side of Thursday. And unvaccinated. And Davis is unvaccinated, which is not a political thing, but I mean, it's a fact. We saw what happened last week, five days. That could happen during a regular season. Sure. All those factors that are there, you've got Isaiah McKenzie in a sling right now. Um, you know, Jay Kumaro is your 
you know, your sure thing, I guess, with without any injuries or or other factors yeah. at least that you're looking at at this point. So to say that you've got seven there definitely stands out. And what happens with the defensive line, I mean, it ended up being a little bit of no drama because of the Bam Johnson trade, right? Up, were they going to keep seven defensive ends, all of this talent that they've had? Maybe it's a bit of an overcorrection from Bean and McDermott when you think about the lack of pass rush they had specifically from defensive end last year to try and overcompensate for it. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with it. I was going back and forth with Greg Thompson last night about who's going to play, how many snaps, what the percentage is, who's going to kick inside. I mean, it was getting a little mind boggling at times, but you know, if it's an area that's a weakness, it's like, all right, let's double down here and, and make sure that we've, we've got it right. So as I look at it, especially with the defensive line, you know, you are in a situation where you do have Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison in the last years of their deal. So, right, you you kind of get yourself in a situation, you've got these guys on your roster, and maybe next year, you know, you're not talking about keeping seven, but it's just a real solid five and you can overcorrect another position on the roster. Yeah, I agree. Great take. I think right now, the Bills having five defensive tackles, I think that's temporary. We know that Reed Ferguson, which probably, when you woke up today on Tuesday and you said, all right, these are going to be the Bills' cuts, and we knew that there might be one or two guys. I heard a lot about Taiwan Jones, a couple other guys that maybe they might get, and I'm using air quotes here, temporarily cut, like they're probably in the parking lot just waiting to get called back in because we it's procedural moves. Um, I, I did not expect Reed Ferguson to be that guy. I think, I suspect, And I don't want to make a lot of predictions with the roster because, again, people are just going to be listening to this on Wednesday and the Bills are going to, I'm sure, have activity Wednesday and Thursday. I could see, um, I could definitely see Harrison Phillips going on IR once, uh, you know, come come Wednesday and then maybe that brings back, um, that brings back Reed. Reed Ferguson is coming back. I mean, Sal Capaccio, Dad Brown, they're reporting that they've already heard from leaked sources that this was just a temporary thing. I don't think the Bills are going to keep five defensive tackles. So putting Harrison Phillips on IR for now allows him to come back a month into the season. And then we'll, you know, you assess what's Vernon Butler looking like in a month or, or something like that. So I could see that happening, but yeah, Reed Ferguson was the big name. I think Josh, uh, Jacob Hollister, I'm sorry, him being released was at least a moderate surprise. But again, that could be just temporary. Tommy Sweeney's on the team right now. He could potentially be an IR candidate. He's banged up, but Unlike Reed Ferguson, where they're already reporting that he's going to be back, Matt Perino and a couple other guys have said that they haven't heard definitively as of Tuesday night that Hollister is 100% coming back. So maybe they do look through the waiver wire at other tight end possibilities because they have Gilliam as well. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. But let's let's go back to, I'll tell you what, Anthony, we'll, we'll start at quarterback. We'll just run through, fly through these positions quickly. And, and again, these cuts, no surprises. But I do want to get your thoughts on a couple things. So the Bills elected to keep two quarterbacks, obviously Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky. Um, they cut Jake Fromm and Davis Webb. Do you think, I mean, it's pretty, I think they're going to surely bring back one. Do you Do you have a personal preference as we take this? If they would only bring back one to the practice squad, which one would you prefer to see? And do you think they might bring both back? I think they'll only bring back one, although they could certainly bring back two, right? With the expanded practice squad of 16 guys, if they wanted to make that investment, they could. I would think it's Davis Webb, and I say that because we've heard Brian Dable talk about him. We've heard others say he's the greatest teammate they've ever been around. 
the intangibles, the pieces where it becomes, hey, listen, this guy can run the offseason workouts. He's almost an addition of the coaching staff. He's helping Josh Allen prep to be the best quarterback that he can be. Okay. I, you know, I think that would would be the guy that would get the nod. Where, you know, from I don't think we've seen enough to say, hey, this is someone that could eventually replace Mitchell Trubisky, right? Assuming that he goes and signs someplace where he can compete as a starter during the 2022 season, um, that the team hasn't seen enough yet from Fromm. So I think they would probably go with Davis Webb. And if they need to get a, you know, a replacement for Trubisky in 2022, they would look to the free agency and and see who's that similar type of. Yeah, person, I was going to say, right? who's the next Mitch Trubisky who's in that situation that could benefit from a, a year of being a backup, kind of like Mitch is doing now, kind of like Jameis Winston did last year in New Orleans behind uh, Drew Brees, for sure. Running back, no surprises. I, I will say this was one of my takes that turned out to be highly inaccurate, but I, I thought Antonio Williams going into the summer had an excellent chance to make this roster. In fairness, him being banged up and hurt, obviously really, you know, that killed his chances, but no surprise with the top three running backs. I thought I wasn't, I wasn't high on Matt Breida making this team initially, but he looked really good this summer. And he obviously brings an element that uh, Singletary and Moss don't have, just that pure speed. In fact, we saw a little bit of gadgetry with him. Like if if Isaiah McKenzie does start the season on IR, which could happen, we saw that Matt Breida could kind of step in that role a little bit. We saw a little glimpse against uh, Green Bay. But is it? do you think it's an effect of the Bam Johnson trade that both Taiwan Jones and Reggie Gilliam both made the team because I kind of felt like maybe one of them two would make it. But then when Bam Johnson, who was a special team standout, got traded. I mean, Tyrone Jones has always been a special team standout, but we've seen Gilliam contribute on special teams as well. And when it comes to Gilliam, he, you know, in the preseason, Anthony, I don't think a lot of guys play their way onto the roster. Like, I think it's more about practice and just the numbers and how things stack up on each team. But I think Gilliam played so well in the preseason. I think he might have just flat out played his way on the team. Plus, he can play some tight end. We saw that last year, so he's valuable there. Are, are you surprised that Gilliam made this roster? Pat, I think if you asked anyone to do a 53-man roster projection at the start of training camp, no one would have had Reggie Gilliam right. on their 53-man roster. Right When you look at things and say, now, oh, you know, you've got other tight ends, you've got Hollister, you've got this. Even when they talked about conser- converting him to a fullback, it was almost just an afterthought, right? How few snaps the team had used a fullback in the past, cutting Patrick DeMarco before the 2020 season. So yeah, I was shocked when it came to it because you think to yourself, okay, what role is he going to fill outside of special teams? Now we know what the team has talked about being more effective running the football, more effective running in the red zone, more effective in short down um, situations. So now I start to think to myself, okay, Gilliam is going to have, you know, they value the offering that he has, the options that he gives them outside of special teams more than they would from Bam Johnson, right? And Bam Johnson played 200-some snaps last year at defensive end. But listen, are you going to play him at defensive end over Rousseau, over A.J. Epinesa, over Jerry Hughes? No, you're not going to. So Gilliam gives you something that no one else does. So when you take a step back and look at it, I can certainly understand that. 
I didn't want to see Johnson go. I, you know, looked at what he could do from a special team standpoint and really saw a value there as someone at 24. Maybe he could still develop as a pass rusher, but I do get it. And if you can get a pick in return, you know, you take it when you've got that much talent. But I was certainly surprised when it came to Gilliam. Jones, I wasn't surprised because Brandon Bean had talked about him. He referred to him as a, I think, an elite gunner in the past. So when the general manager says that, and again, it's not a young player that you're hyping up, looking to get some sort of trade value for. Um, He was inactive for the first preseason game against the Lions. It's like, okay, the team really values what he brings to the table here. So I didn't find that as too much of a surprise. Um, I I agree. And like I said, it would Gilliam playing his way onto the roster. And I'm sure you're right about Jones. Maybe he was never really in any true danger of not making this roster. I was an Antonio Williams fan. I think a combination of him getting hurt and Reggie Gilliam playing as well as he did in the preseason, that Bears game, I think he made a that that meant a lot. Well, and I was curious too, going back to your point about Matt Breida, and Breida is someone I was high on when he was with the 49ers before the Bills drafted Zach Moss, right? Of like, hey, if you want to make a, a small investment, make a trade for him for a day three pick, bring him into Buffalo, pair him with Devin Singletary. Goes to Miami, things don't work out, free agent, here he is. But then as I was looking at roster projections, it was almost is Breida going to be the odd man out? Because are they going to value Taiwan Jones and his leadership and what he brings? Reggie Gilliam, as you said, playing his way onto the roster, Moss and Singletary, is just how many backs are they going to keep? Um, so I started to question it just a little bit because you're trying to think, can they keep a seventh defensive end? Or they don't have enough depth at cornerback. Are they going to snatch a veteran from someplace? But you know, here we are. They've got, in essence, five running backs on the roster if you include Reggie Gilliam in that room. I'll tell you, and I mean, I'm not unturning any stone here, but it, we all know this. The Bills are not going to run the ball that much, nor should they. It's about being more effective. It's quality over quantity. And I think with this group, at least the top three, it truly is going to be one of those hot hand situations. I think there's going to be some days where Devin Singletary gets 17 carries. Actually, let me take that back. I don't think they're ever going to have 17 carries in this Brian Dable Buffalo Bills offense, which I'm fine with. But I think Singletary is going to start games. I think you might see a lot of Zach Moss in big moments. I think they, I actually think they trust Zach Moss a little bit more than I think they trust Devin Singletary right now. And I think Breida's going to have, a, there might be some weeks where Breida's not even active, you know? I mean, Jones and and Gilliam are going to play because they're special teams guys. And are you going to have five active running backs on your 46 or 47 man, you know, game day roster? So he might be inactive, but he'll have roles in in certain weeks for sure. It is something to, to see, right? And I certainly was one of those guys leading up to the draft, talking about Travis Etienne, talking about Najee Harris. Is the team going to look to upgrade at running back, right? Almost to be like, listen, we can... I'm not even worried about these other guys because we have this shiny new toy that we can put in the backfield. Um, But I would like to see someone establish themselves. And I don't mean in terms of like fantasy football, like a, right. You know, is that guy that's going to get the, like you said, 20 plus touches a game, but just someone that you can feel that sense of, Hey, if it's third down and two, and if they give the ball to Singletary or Moss or whatever it is, 
that they're going to pick up those two yards. And I realize it's not all on the back. There's so much with the offensive line and whatnot, but it did seem in too many situations last year, you know, the bills would have a eight, nine yard completion on first down. It would be second and short. Zach Moss would run into the back of the line, lose a yard or two. And all of a sudden it's, you know, third down and four. And maybe someone like Reggie Gilliam on the roster, like, Hey, we, you know, you know, we're going to run. It's a short down situation. We'll telegraph it, but I'm going to take my chances with my guy bowling over your guy. And we're going to pick up that yard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about receiver. The one thing I will add is that. So if we're saying that Gilliam played his way onto the squad, I think Mar- Marquez Stevenson might've as well. I think maybe the bills might've had aspirations of putting him through waivers and, and then getting him on the practice squad. But he had a nice long catch against Detroit. He had the touchdown return against Chicago. He showed a lot of explosiveness. He's banged up. Who knows? He might end up. He's a candidate to go on IR to start the year. We'll see how that uh how that plays out. But I think like Gilliam, I think he kind of played his way on this roster. And I think that's a big reason why the Bills kept seven. Isaiah Hodgins did not make this team. I don't know about him. You know, and Greg Thompson had a great point today on social media, and he said. You know, we tend to say, well, these guys are going to get claimed. And then he threw out a staff rivals from 2019, but only 2.7% of players that get cut and end up on waivers end up claimed. So more often than not, the guys you fear, um, they end up back on your team. He's obviously a, a guy that I think anyway, that the Bills would certainly want for a practice squad. I know they're pretty high on Tanner Gentry as well. Just didn't see a lot from Isaiah. You know, not, not certainly not enough to overtake one of these guys here. And, and again, I think Marquez Stevenson uh, played his way onto the team. Isaiah McKenzie, you talked about it. He's in a sling right now. So who knows how that plays out? But I, I think that's a big reason why they ended up with seven, because I think Stevenson kind of earned. I mean, he's only a six-round pick, so he was not a lot coming into camp. But I, no, he, he, and played, Stevenson, he played his way on. Yeah, I mean, Stevenson early on, I was just like, listen, people can talk about his speed or this and that. You know, he went in the sixth round. Like people saying that the team needs to keep him. Like, listen, there were 31 other NFL teams that could have taken him with one of the 209 picks before Buffalo selected him. So there certainly was not this um, mass appeal coming from him, or he wasn't from a big name college, or he didn't just slip because of his size or something along those lines. But as you said, you make two game changing plays, albeit in the preseason, you're going to get noticed especially as a punt returner, right? A 79-yard punt return, you're going to get noticed. Going back to your point on Isaiah Hodgins, um, again, it's like you you see the college tape, you see the flashes, you look at the statistics. The guy has not been able to stay healthy. He has not even been on the field in the preseason. At least I don't think he has. If he has, I blinked and I missed it. You know, There is nothing on tape where I think anyone is going to say, Hey, let me get this guy. I mean, even, you know, the Bills cut Steven Sims. At least Sims has produced in the NFL with the Washington football team sure. in the past where someone can say, I know what you are. Isaiah Hodgins, unfortunately, because of the injuries, hasn't had the chance to do that yet. And he's going to probably end up on the practice squad, but I don't even know if he's healthy enough to do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's like maybe two or three positions that I'm a little bit uh, trepidatious when it comes to. The Bills in depth. One of them might be tight end. So you obviously got Dawson Knox. 
And for now, the time being, Sweeney's the only other tight end. Again, Hollister got cut. I don't know. Do you think he's back? Or do you think they're going to go looking for someone else? I mean, it would just make sense that he would be back. Because I don't see how you can keep Tommy Sweeney, who has been injured. Right. right. So as, yeah, as much as, as fans might like him, and you've seen some promise in what he can do, the injury doesn't do any good. So I would have to imagine Hollister would be back. But as you said, there has been no report yet at this time from Sal Capaccio or Matt Perino or Joe Biscaglia or anyone that's certainly in the know. So that's interesting to me. I could see either or Nate Becker or Quentin Morris being on the practice squad. Yeah. So the Bills will have those call-ups. Quentin Morris certainly um, flashed during camp. I mean, you would see in different reports just saying, I don't think he's going to make the team, but this guy should be on the practice squad because he is flashed. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think they have some options there. And again, for a team that uses four wide receivers as much as they do, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm okay. That's what I was just about to say. Well, first of all, credit, by the way, Joe B from The Athletic, because I looked at maybe, I don't know, roughly a million Buffalo Bills, 53-man roster projections over the last week or so or a couple weeks. And to my knowledge, He's the only one that I could personally remember seeing that actually only had the Bills keeping two tight ends. And his reasoning was spot on. Now, he had Hollister in there over Sweeney, but his take was, A, you got Gilliam who could play tight end, and B, you could also have somebody like Nate Becker on the practice squad, and the way you could kind of circumvent that is you're allowed a certain amount of practice squad elevations. So if you need him for that week, you just elevate him on Sunday. Simple as that. And yeah, man, look, I think... Look, we all want the next Travis Kelsey or, or George Kittle. We want Dawson Knox to become that guy. I mean, of course. But I was just going to say, I'm going to give you four reasons why I really don't care that much. And that's Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, and Emmanuel Sanders. The passing game is fine, all right? If Dawson Knox is just okay, I'm good with that. I don't want to give up a third-round pick or anything crazy for Zach Ertz. I don't want to spend that kind of money. I'm fine. I love our receivers. Just be all right, Dawson Knox. And if he's okay and he stays healthy... I really don't care if it's Hollis or Sweeney or someone off the street. It, it, it doesn't really matter to me, man. doesn't matter to me. But it is a little bit concerning to not have any kind of proven depth at all right now at tight end, at least for the moment as we record this with no Hollister. No, I mean, Hollister would be that that depth and have that experience. So I'd like to see him back again. Just, uh, you know, enough of the jury is still out on Dawson Knox, who I am a fan of. Um what he's been able to to flash at times, the rapport that he has with Josh Allen, the athleticism, the lack of experience, just there's enough reasons to say why I'm not giving up on him yet, but he definitely needs to take a step this yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely. Offensive line is, there's nothing, there was absolutely nothing that they, they did was even remotely surprising at all. Tommy Doyle making the team, maybe a couple of people might've been a little bit surprised, but he's a fifth round pick, an offensive lineman, that's an asset. I, I think the Bills probably were afraid that he would, uh, that somebody would take a flyer on him and pick him up. But uh, now this is me being cynical and I, listen, in no way, shape, or form, right? Like I'm not an offensive line guru. I can't sure. look at things and tell you what he's doing correctly or incorrectly. But by all the reports through all of the preseason, there was nothing I really saw from Tommy Doyle or read about Tommy Doyle to say, oh, if the Bills cut him there's a chance I would be worried that someone else would scoop him up, right? Like if someone is that desperate for offensive line talent, 
that they're going to pick up a fifth round pick from Miami of Ohio that has struggled mightily. You know, when you're a good team, that might be the risk that you're taking, right? Like, are you keeping a Tommy Doyle? And I'm certainly not saying a Bobby Hart, but right, like think like a Jamel Douglas, right? I mean, an offensive lineman played for the Titans, plenty of NFL starts, right? Like has played in the league. And if someone were to go down, could contribute for you or somebody else that's about to get cut. So for me, it was a mild surprise because I feel like, yeah, the bills are beyond the point of, well, he's a fifth round draft pick. So we have to keep him. It's like, no, you're contending for a Super Bowl. Like if you need to get rid of a fifth round pick that doesn't seem to be cutting it to bring in someone that's, you know, on a veteran minimum contract, but you've seen what he can do and might be able to help you out. So when I say it was a surprise, it's a a very mild surprise right Right. on this day. But that was one to me, if they cut him, I would have been like, all right, you know, that's, he just wasn't going to work out. I think when you look at the 53-man roster, he is the classic redshirt guy. Like, he's the guy who's going to play last. He's not going to play is basically what I'm telling you. Spencer Brown's going to be the swing tackle if he's healthy. And if for whatever reason, the Bills determine he's not ready, I know a lot of people are not going to like hearing this, but don't be shocked if Bobby Hart ends up back on this team on the practice squad. And if he needs to be <laughs> elevated, if they can't do better, you know, with these street free agents coming up over the next 24 hours, they're going to sign an offensive tackle is what I'm telling you. Probably to the practice squad because I don't think they want to expose Tommy Doyle. I agree with you for the record. He's a fifth round guy who did not play well this preseason. It would be stunning for me to see another team uh, sign him and put him on the 53-man roster. But regardless, I can see the Bills adding an offensive tackle veteran to be able to, and they're taking advantage of, you know, the practice squad rules this year and stashing him away, whether it's Hart or somebody else, in case something's up with uh, Spencer Brown or in case they get multiple injuries. Other side of the ball, you know what? Let's just skip the defensive line. I mean, there's literally nothing that hasn't been talked about a lot. Everybody who we thought was going to make the team did. Um, I thought Vernon Butler might've been in some trouble, but I think that once they traded the combination of Johnson getting traded and the likeliness of of Phillips going on short-term IR, which I I do think is going to happen, we'll see down the road, but I think Butler's going to certainly start the year for the Bills, but the defensive line is what it is. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? There's nothing that really sticks out to you, is there? No, it just would have been curious to see if Harrison Phillips was not hurt what the Bills would have done. I think they would have cut Butler. You know, would they have cut Butler? Would they have kept Bam Johnson? Would they have only kept 10 defensive linemen? You know, what that what that would have looked like. I mean, it's a, it's a classic what-if kind of question. And again, kind of along those lines, Butler a guy that, you know, just a guy, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got Star Latulale at the one technique. It should be Ed Oliver and Justin Zimmer and pass rushdowns. You know, Oliver can swing over and, you know, add one of those defensive ends to the inside. I mean, hopefully we're not seeing them take a ton of snaps, but he should buy uh, Harrison Phillips a fruit basket or something because that's <laughs> probably what kept him on the roster Well, right I'll now. tell you, about a month or so ago, I would have said Justin Zimmer's probably the guy that wouldn't make this team. He's a little bit undersized, but the dude just makes plays. And Brandon Bean loves him. And we've learned... Brandon Bean's pretty transparent with his words. I mean, just look no further than the game Saturday. He's literally in the booth in the third quarter talking about teams are calling about a defensive end. They're like, okay, okay. 
what, 36 hours later, Bam Johnson gets traded <laughs> to the Carolina Panthers. So he wasn't bullshitting, man. He was being real. But yeah, Justin Zimmer's really, he's earned his keep on this team. And I think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, obviously, they love that kid, man. I like him a lot too. Linebacker, the consensus was, and I think this might be a direct effect of the Johnson trade, that they were only going to keep five linebackers. That's what we kept hearing. They ended up keeping six. So potentially a beneficiary of the Johnson trade, if, if you don't want to say Gilliam, because Gilliam earned his way onto this team, I'd say maybe Terrell Dodson. Is that I think he's that sixth linebacker. And I'll tell you one quick thing too. Andre Smith. So I talk to a lot of the, the, the beat reporter guys, the guys who are at practice every day. And I'm always kind of, you know, picking their brains. You know this. They're only allowed to report certain things and they talk about it when they can. But everybody kept saying that Andre Smith was, was one of the best performers at camp this entire summer. That, that the guy has really looked well and he's played very well. So I, I knew he was going to make the team, especially once they cut Terrell Adams a week ago, but are you a little bit surprised that they kept six Terrell Dodson being the sixth? And yeah, just going back to Andre Smith. I like him a lot. I think, I think if he has an opportunity, I certainly don't want to see Edmonds or Milano get hurt or, or Klein or anyone get hurt. But I think if Andre Smith gets an opportunity, I think Andre Smith is going to be a pretty good football player for the bills. Yeah. And I agree with you there. I think that he could give you meaningful snaps right now. Let me answer your first question. I'm surprised they kept six because you have Edmonds and you have Milano on your team who in a perfect scenario, they play them a hundred percent of the snaps, yeah. right? I mean, unless things are completely out yep. of hand, um, that's the only time they're coming off the yep. field, obviously. And they play a lot of two linebacker nickel. Yep. Right. So if you're basically playing a lot of two linebacker sets and they play a hundred percent of the snaps, then, Hey, something's got to give that they would keep five. Right. You've got AJ Klein that can really fill in for either one. Not ideal, but has the flexibility, the skill set, the familiarity that it's like, okay, he can be in either one of those positions. Andre Smith, as you just said, hey, maybe if you want to ease up on things for Milano a little bit, instead of playing 100% of snaps, playing 85, can you get away with someone like Smith? I don't know, but that's an option there. And of course, Matikavich, who gives you the special teams piece. So, when I say I was surprised that they kept six, um, when I was doing my roster projection where they were going to keep seven defensive ends, that's where you were getting that extra spot. You were keeping five linebackers. But now with it being said, again, it, it would be nitpicking to say there was any sort of a, an issue with that. But if you needed to pull someone from a spot because you only play two the majority of the time, that's where I would think you could give a little bit. And as an aside, congratulations to Tyrell Dodson. I've talked to him before. He's a good dude. He's, he's worked really hard. Good person. Great perspective in life. So I hope it works out for him. And again, let's be a little careful here because we're taping this again late Tuesday night. By Wednesday night, Tyrell Dodson could be a former Buffalo Bill for all we know. So you know how it is. Rosters change over the next couple of days. So we'll see what happens. There might be a linebacker that gets cut by another team that they like more than Terrell Dotson and they make that move. So you know what I'm saying? So that could happen. But for now, anyway, he's deserving and I'm very happy for him. All right. Cornerback. This is a position that I'm concerned about depth wise, but when you look at it on paper, I'm like, all right, I like it. Yeah. Of course you got Tredavious White, you got Wallace and Dane Jackson and, and Teron Johnson and Saran Neal. You got five corners. I thought maybe they might keep six, but I'm not stunned that they kept five. But I am concerned because 
three of these guys have been banged up, man. I mean, we were expecting this big training camp and preseason battle between Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson that never really materialized, at least in part because of injuries. These guys are not 100%. I've heard that Dane Jackson of the three is, is the most seriously injured one, but not like season end or anything crazy like that. But he could be a potential candidate to go on short-term IR. Teron Johnson was supposed to play last weekend, but banged his hand. And we know he's been hurt a lot. I love Teron Johnson. Obviously, he had one of the biggest plays in Bill's history last year against Baltimore. But the dude has a tough time staying on the field. I'm a little concerned because of that reason when it comes to the Bills. I like these corners just fine on paper. But I would not be surprised whatsoever if they're scouring if Brandon Bean right now as we're talking is scouring the waiver wire or maybe even the trademark to try to get that veteran defensive uh defensive back in on this team behind maybe say Levi Wallace. Maybe don't trust Dane Jackson because he hasn't shown a lot and again he's banged up. I'd like to see another addition to this unit, is what I'm telling you. No, I agree. And kind of going back to the same logic that we just talked about with linebacker, right? For the most part, you're playing two linebackers on the field. I think it's what Teron Johnson plays 75% of the snaps right. yep. last season. So if you've got three cornerbacks on the field 75% of the time, but you're keeping six linebackers and only five corners, right? And this is just me looking at the math. I mean, you can say to yourself, one of these guys goes down. There's a problem, right? For what you do is your base defense and what you have on the field 75% of the time. And maybe I talked to Bruce too much and he's got me brainwashed of thinking, you know, cornerback depth is more important. And I say that jokingly. Um, I'm still shocked the Bills did not do something at cornerback earlier in the draft, you know, getting a back-to-back defensive ends and then back-to-back offensive tackles and right. not addressing the cornerback position until the sixth round with Rashad Wild Goose, um, or then even after the draft, not bringing in you know, more of a veteran presence that is out there to to be on the roster. Um, so yeah, only having five on the roster was a surprise to me. And I'm not saying, oh, it should have been, you know, Cam Lewis or Nick McLeod or Wild Goose, or, but I felt like one of them would have taken that sixth spot as more of a developmental prospect and saying like, hey, we want you to be around Levi Wallace and Tredavious White each and every day because the Bills have shown they can take guys that aren't premier athletes and turn them into effective NFL cornerbacks um, and that maybe they would have seen that in one of those guys. I mean, Tredavious White was talking uh, on the sideline during the game against Green, the Green Bay Packers, and he was talking about these young guys. He was talking about Rashad Wild Goose and Nick McLeod and saying, I like these guys. So I'll be curious to see how many of them end up on the practice squad. And of course, if Cam Lewis ends up getting picked up by another team, because that was probably you know, again, a surprise if you were to say, listen, someone that is a bit more established, he was going to take the starting job from Teron Johnson last season, that the team had seen enough of him that they liked him. But just going with five, yeah, that was a surprise. Good point. And I'll say this. I think of all the guys that they release, he's not the biggest name. He might not even be the best player, so to speak. But I feel like Cam Lewis might be the one guy that of their cuts that I'd be most, if if the goal is to get everyone back to the practice squad or as many guys as they can, I think he's the one that I might be most scared that another team does take a flyer on. If not, I, I, it's I, to me, it's a virtual lock that he would be back on the practice squad. In between Wild Goose and McLeod, I would say 
at least one of them as well. They're going to have at least two corners. They might even have all three corners on the practice squad, in part, again, because of these injuries. I'll tell you, though, they're showing... Do you think this? I, I think they've shown a lot of confidence right now in Levi Wallace. Going back to everything you just said. So they re-sign him for one year. And then what did they do after that? Nothing. They didn't draft a corner. They didn't, they didn't sign up. There were some named free agent cornerbacks out there late in the, in the free agency period, all the way up in the training camp. They did nothing. That tells me that they have a lot of confidence. Either A, they have a lot of confidence in Levi Wallace, or B, a healthy Dane Jackson they thought is better than any third or fourth round corner they can get in the draft or one of these second or third or fourth tier corners that are were still around in free agency. But that's a lot of confidence in these guys, I think. Well, and they show a ton of confidence in Levi Wallace. You hear Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. You hear other guys on the defense talk about him. And it is um, kudos to him, man. I mean, from a walk-on at Alabama to earning a starting role to undrafted free agent, he is a a great story and by all accounts seems like a, you know, a, a, a great individual, right, when you hear the story of, of his family. Um, and now here he is, though, like even signing just the one year contract. That was the surprising piece to me. Like, right. If the Bills said, like, hey, we believe in Levi Wallace and we're going to sign him to a three year, seven million dollar deal. Yeah. You can say, like, all right, you know, two point three million dollars a year for him. Get some decent guarantees. I mean, a, a like, one year contract like for one point two million. Surprise. Yeah. Something like that it was not big money at all. But, yeah, they've shown a, a lot of confidence in him. And they obviously got a lot of confidence in their safeties, Hoyden, Hoyden uh, or, jeez, uh, I was here, Jordan Boyer and Micah Hyde. I probably have said those names wrong more than any other ones. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, one of the best safety tandems in the NFL. And the other guy, so alongside Andre Smith, the other guy that I, from people I've talked to, that just said had an unbelievably good rookie camp, that maybe he might have been the best rookie in camp, aside from Rizzo, is uh, Demar Hamlin, who's earned his spot on the team. I, I take the show yesterday with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. And I was bitching and moaning that the Bills didn't have Dean Marlowe because I like Dean Marlowe. I felt good about him if something happened to Micah Hyde or to Jordan Boyer. He said, dude, you're, you're overreacting. Relax. He goes, Hamlin's really good. Um, he likes Johnson, although Jaquan, Jaquan Johnson, he might end up on IR. Uh, Josh Thomas is a safety who they cut. If he clears waivers, thinks he'll be back. So I don't know that they need to add anything to the safety room again, because they got two of the best starters in the NFL. So uh, I don't know. How, do you feel like that position is set? Well, here's one thing. I have to assume Jaquan Johnson is healthy enough because if not, then they probably would have needed to keep Josh Thomas on the roster. Right. Cause, yeah, cause you, he's got to go through to, waivers. To work the yeah. the shenanigan type of piece that they would yeah. that they would be doing, yeah, he's not the a roster shenanigan, right? Piece. Yeah, right. So that taking place, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Tim Reynolds, he writes for the AP down in Miami, and he covers the Hurricanes. And when the Bills drafted Jaquan Johnson, I shot him a quick message, and I'm like, "What's the deal?" And he told me, he goes, "You can go buy his jersey today because this guy is making the team." So we know that the Bills coaching staff likes Johnson. They've seen him as a, you know, someone that I don't want to say can be an heir apparent, but they certainly have some confidence in. And everything that we've heard about Damar Hamlin, here's a guy that brings that same type of energy uh, that they like that what they've seen from him so far. But with so much of it, right? It's like 
what happens if, you know, Poyer or Hyde goes down? I don't even want to think about that. But the coaching staff has obviously shown that confidence. I mean, they, you know, Dean Marlowe, yes, right? But they've had the opportunities to bring in a veteran safety if they wanted to. And poor Dean now is with the Detroit Lions and just looking at what might be a bit of a miserable season. So, <laughs> You know what's funny? When you look at this Bills roster and how much times have changed, it used to be a lock. There were two locks every year when it came to the Buffalo Bills. A, if you were drafted by the Buffalo Bills, you were making the team as a rookie. That was a lock. And B, there would always be at least one or two undrafted free agents who would make this roster. Well, guess what? If you want evidence that this team's really good, not one, but two drafted guys did not make this roster. Richard Wild Goose, the corner, uh, and the center, Jack Anderson. They both got cut. And uh, there's zero undrafted free agents from this past year, rookies, that, uh, that made this team. It's a good football team, man. They're really deep, and they're, and they're very talented. You know, Pat, we, we joke sometimes because as Bills fans that have been through a, a lot, right, your fandom – we used to always have this, uh, people would have this irrational love with undrafted free agents, whether it be, you know, Derek Rogers or uh, Mike Jasper or uh, Alex Tanny. Who are these guys that can come in and just everybody missed the boat on and the Bills had? And even going back to, you know, what they would call themselves the goon squad, right? I mean, Stevie Johnson was drafted, but then your other two starting wide receivers are David Nelson and Donald Jones two guys that were undrafted free agents and somehow the bills with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback could put together an offense. So it just, it's always funny with this stuff, man, because you just, um, you got used to attaching yourself to those UDFAs. And now the team is at a point where, as we were saying before, eh, if they've got to cut Bobby Doyle as a fifth round pick, you know, you're, you're almost okay with it because the team is that good. It's unbelievable how much this, how much better this team is on paper than it was in, in a long time. And it's been a long time since they've had these expectations. Last year was a magical year, 13 and three. We knew they were going to be good, but I didn't think, most people didn't think they were going to be that good. This year is a different story. We're going into the season expecting to contend for a Super Bowl legitimately. Not like if everything falls into place, if Josh Allen plays well. This year, they're going into the season expecting to be a uh, Super Bowl good center. And a couple things here before we, uh, before I let you go, Anthony, speaking of teams, well, at least teams that used to contend for the Super Bowl, the New England Patriots, I would say probably the big news on Tuesday was that Cam Noonan got cut. Um, I, I agree with this. I want your thought on it. This is mine. If you're going to turn this team over, if this is going to be Mac Jones's team right now, then you can't have Cam Noonan there. I mean, you don't want Cam Noonan lingering over your shoulder if 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 Mac Jones struggles early, you know what I'm saying. It, it, it's not the idea kind of backup. Like right now, if Jones won that job already, I don't like Stidham as the backup either. I know Brian Hoyer got cut, and he'll probably be back, so he'll probably be that guy. But you want a guy like Hoyer or Matt Barkley, like Josh Allen had in Buffalo, or Derek Anderson, somebody who's not that kind of threat to you, who could mentor you off the field in the locker room. Again, like Matt Barkley had a lot to do with Josh Allen's personal growth and immaturity. I don't think Cam Newton was the right fit. If he was not going to be the starter, then I think it was the right move. What, what, what did you think about that? And how surprised were you that it happened before the season even starts? Yeah, I guess I was a bit surprised. And I say it because although the reports had been very positive about Mac Jones so far, um, 
still a rookie, right? Still playing in in New England where I looked at it and was thinking, okay, Belichick is still going to have expectations that we need to get back to the playoffs. And they got talent. It, they have talent. And as much as Cam Newton struggled last year as a passer, um, injuries and things played into that, certainly effective as a running quarterback. I just looked at it and thought Cam is going to start the season. And if things just aren't working out, then they'll make the shift and maybe cut him at that point. No idea what conversations were taking place. Maybe Cam said, like, listen, if I'm not going to be your starter, do me a favor and just release me. Um, he can latch on with another team, although I don't know what situation might be better. But, I mean, listen, we hear plenty of things. Like, I don't think playing for Bill Belichick is exactly like a, a joy, right, when you hear from some players and, and see what's going on with some free agents and whatnot. I, uh, I, yeah, I guess I was surprised by it, and we'll see what Mac Jones is all about. I mean, certainly as a rookie, you're probably going to to deal with some rookie mistakes and whatnot, but, I mean, Bill Belichick's like one of the five greatest coaches of all time. So if anybody can do it, and I say do it, meaning dump Cam Newton to go with the rookie and see what you've got there, you know, Belichick can be that guy. Isn't it kind of funny that our young gunslinger Josh Allen is – by two years, the oldest quarterback in the AFC East all of a sudden. He's the old guy in this division, man. I saw a meme on, on Twitter of him having a great beard. It was actually really funny, man. Yeah, he's the old it dude is, now. It is crazy when you think about it and just even think about everything leading up to the drafting of Josh Allen, right? And you're just wanting that franchise quarterback and waiting for it and almost like just wishing and hoping and you know, you watch other teams play and you're just like, hey, I want one of those too. And uh, and now the Bills are the team that, you know, certainly has the answer at quarterback where the rest of the AFC East, they, they hope they might have it with their young guys, but there's too early to tell in New York and, and with New England and even the same in Miami with Tua Tagovailoa. So what a, what a role reversal for Bills and, and Bills fans alike. I'll tell you, it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't have at least one outlandish kind of hot take. But I'm going to throw this out. I think of the rookies, and this is like a very glorified rookie quarterback draft class. I, I think Mac Jones is going to have the most success as a rookie this year. I don't trust the Jack. I know Tra and Trevor Lawrence is starting, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback. I don't love him right now. I just don't trust the Jags. I don't know if Trey, I, I still think Jimmy Garoppolo, as long as he stays healthy this year, is going to be the guy in Frisco instead of Trey Lance. I love Lance Fields or Justin Fields, but dude, Chicago's a disaster right now. I mean, we even in the preseason, we saw how bad that line is. They, they don't got a lot of weapons. It's just not a, a good fit for them. And, and, and I don't like the Jets. I just don't like the Jets. So Zach Wilson, he's going to be here for a lot of heartache, maybe at least early in his career. And we'll, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I like, I like, this is unpopular, and the Bills are the class of the AFC East, okay? And I fully expect them to win the division, probably by multiple games, three, four games, maybe even. But I don't think the Patriots, the Patriots, New England Patriots got a pretty good football team, man. They got a lot of talent. They're much better than they were last year. And I think, even as a rookie, I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback this year. But I think Jones, as a rookie, can be more effective than Cam Newton was last year with the Patriots, because I thought Cam Newton was horrific throwing the football. New England's going to be a pretty competitive football team this year, I think. Well, listen, that is a hell of a hot take. And I say that because sometimes guys will say, oh, I got a bit of a hot take for you. 
And it's certainly not. And I think that one, that fits the bill. And listen, we could see with New England, right, with the two tight ends, with Damian Harris at running back, with, you know, them going back and trying to be more of that running football team, right? I, I hate to use the term game manager, but kind of like for a Mac Jones, like, listen, you're going to do some good things. We're not going to ask you to do anything that you can't. We're going to run the football. We're going to play great defense. And you can win a decent amount of football games and make it to the playoffs doing that. So they are going to be, and it, it's painful to say it too, but one of the more interesting storylines because of Mac Jones, because of Cam Newton getting cut, and just you know, with the Patriots, I mean, even the fact that they won seven games last year, like that's probably about five more games than they should have won with with what they were putting out there each and every week. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. And I don't know, we'll revisit the Mac Jones piece at some point to see if you were right or wrong. <laughs> it's going to be a good soundbite. If my life depended on it right now, I would bet that New England finishes second in the division ahead of Miami as long as two is a quarterback in Miami and they don't pull the trigger on that trade, potential trade that I don't even want to spend any time talking about today. A couple former Buffalo Bills, by the way, in the news real quick here, Corey Borges got traded from the Rams to the Green Bay Packers. Didn't this dude, I've heard a lot of people talking about he hated, he didn't hate Buffalo. He didn't like playing in the cold. And he goes to the Rams and now he's with Green Bay. I didn't hear I didn't hear any of those stories or rumors, but it did seem a little odd to me, right? That the fact that he wasn't re-signed in Buffalo yeah. and it was more he was, good. was that was that his choice and he certainly had improved, right? I mean he went from like incredibly shaky at the beginning as a punter. Um, but then where it also came to the point where it was just were there too many mistakes as the holder, right? And were the Bills putting more of a premium on that? as opposed to the punting ability that it just seemed like, Hey, if things were working and what he signed for that, he would have just come back and you would have kept that trio in place. But um, yeah, going from, from LA to green Bay. Um, good luck with that. Yeah. I don't know a lot of guys who sign a contract during the off season and they get traded to another team before they even play a football game. And that's kind of a, that's weird. Um, props, by the way, to UB players, Jared Patterson, for now, has made the Washington football team an undrafted free agent. A lot of people said he made a big mistake coming out of school, that he could have, he should have stayed for his senior year, which I don't agree with. Goal. He wasn't going to improve his draft stock because of the intangibles that, that he has. Good for him, man. I love that kid. He's a great kid. He's a good running back. So good for him. Looks like he's made the Washington football team. And then Tyree Jackson makes the Philadelphia Eagles as a tight end. What is up with former quarterbacks, especially ones who have spent time with the Bills, Logan Thomas, these guys convert to tight end, and they who knows, maybe Tyree Jackson's going to be good with Philly, man. Good story. Dude, when you talk about guys converting to playing tight end, and that even includes uh, when you talk about like an Antonio Gates, right? I mean, these guys that have been um, Chris Manhurts from Canisius, right? I mean, who I remember yeah. watching him play when they would uh, play against the Siena Saints. Um, how guys are able to do that. And then you talk about someone like Tyree Jackson, you talk about a Logan Thomas and like, Hey, you know what? If you've got the skill set, you've got the ability, good for you to be able to, to reinvent yourself. Cause you know, sometimes there are guys, um, and I, this isn't like the Lamar Jackson conversation as crazy and stupid as that was at the time. But like, mm -hmm. you know, with someone like a Tim Tebow and saying, Hey, 
maybe you should have tried to do this like six or seven years earlier when you were still a bit more athletic and in different type of football shape that you could have been something there. Um, and for Jackson to be able to do it. And I think you should give a lot of credit to somebody like Logan Thomas, who had a fantastic season in Washington last year. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And going back to Jared Patterson, I completely agree, right? Because this year was so different because of what happened with COVID. If he went back, there's no way he was going to be able to top what he did the season before. And this is going to be a jam-packed draft class because you had seniors that can redeclare and stay for an additional year. Congratulations to him for making the Washington football team as well. Yeah, and and again, I've talked to Jared Patterson people and the knock on him, the reason why he came out, despite a lot of people saying otherwise that he shouldn't, was because scouts said, this is who you are as a running back. You're not going to get bigger. You're not going to get faster. You know, this is what you are. And, he, and he's proven people wrong already. So I love that. And dude, Tyree Jackson, or just some of these guys in general, do you know what kind of special athlete you got to be to go to play high school football, then you play college football for four years, you're a quarterback on a very good football team, you go to the NFL as a quarterback, and then you convert to tight end, and you're playing in the highest level on the face of this earth in the NFL, and you make the team as a tight end. That just shows, man, you got to be, first of all, the dedication, but you got to be a hell of an athlete to be able to do something like that. That's just incredible to me. Be able to switch No, that positions. would be it. A- it would be a great story. And again, to to look at it, I mean, we've seen guys before, they can be stubborn and say, listen, I play this position. This is what I am. For him to do that, um, I wish him all the success. I really do. Yeah. All right. One last thing, then I'm going to let you go. And this is just kind of going to be like a little bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction. I'm sure you'll be talking about this on your show and when you do appearances on other podcasts as well in the coming days and weeks and, and months. But the, the Bill Stadium report that came out by John World today from um, the Associated Press, he reported that uh, Pagula is seeking a 60,000-seat stadium that would open in 2027 and would feature a partial cover, like a hangover, like Miami has at Hard Rock Stadium, but not a dome. I actually found this stat on Buffalo Rumblings, ironically. The 60,000-seat stadium would be the smallest in the entire NFL and it would shrink current capacity, and this is per Buffalo Rumblings, by 17%, which I think is a hell of a big number. I just wanted to get for now, and again, I'm sure you'll break this down and, and think about it more and talk about it more in the coming days and weeks and stuff. But for right now, like, what's your knee-jerk reaction when you hear about that? 60,000 C Stadium, 2027, a partial cover. What do you think? So first, I'll say with the 60,000 seat, I give that um, a thumbs up as having some foresight because I think when you talk about trends with attendance in the NFL, things are declining in person. And sometimes that ties into things with, uh, you know, is the atmosphere not as family friendly? Is it pricing itself out? It's, it's harder to sell those, those tickets. And you think of just even the, uh, the direct TV packages, the new packages that should be coming with Amazon, sure. high definition, the ability to watch at home, the red zone, all of these different pieces, you know, for, for the majority of people, they'd rather be watching the game at home or they have other things going on that they have to be at home or they can't afford to the, go to the games. So it's just like, listen, if, if we're still going to be dealing with some of this stuff, let's have a capacity that fits our market right? And others were sharing stats and I don't have them in front of me. You know, the, the seats compared to the, 
the population. So what is that percentage of seats that you have tied to the population? If you're in a major market like a, you know, Los Angeles and you want to have 80,000 seats, well, you have a larger pool to pull from. Sure. That that maybe that m- makes sense for you. But if I was as I was looking at it, it was tied more to the trends in attendance and where that is going. The other piece for me, and I just um, I used to work in the arena business for seven years earlier in my career. Um, I think they should put a dome in place. And I think when you are talking about something, if you are talking about um, having it be used, not just for the Buffalo Bills, but if you've got taxpayers contributing, if New York State is contributing, whatever that may look like, um, it just gives you the opportunity to host more things. You can host Sweet 16 NCAA tournaments. You can host um, conventions. You can host more concerts than just hey, a Billy Joel here or a Taylor Swift or the Rolling Stones, it gives you the opportunity to have more uses outside of those games each year. Um, And yeah, I'm also the type, like I'm 46 years old. If I'm going to a game to be inside where I don't have to wear 17 layers and know where to put them or whatever it may be, to go and be in that dome atmosphere yeah, I would I would be all for that. I completely respect others that feel the other way. Um, I am not a season ticket holder. I do not live in the market. So, you know, when you you get out there, it's it's more of a special occasion than those that uh, it's part of their religion, right? And their routine of what they do with their families. I would never want to take that away from anyone. But for me, from a business standpoint, I think the roof would be much better. And just my personal opinion, um, I would be in favor of that. But what about you? You know what? You said it so perfect, and I agree so much with what you said. And I'm not patronizing. I'm being dead serious. I agree with literally everything you said. I don't have anything to add. I don't have anything to add because I completely agree with you. I agree with you about the stadium size. I agree with you about the dome. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, everyone, give Anthony a follow on Twitter at AnthMarino. Make sure you check out Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Again, part of the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network, man. I'm such, such a big, big fan of your network, man. All the guys and every, all the guys, or all the work you do, man. It's just, uh, it's just so much fun to listen to and to read, by the way. This isn't just podcasting. There, there are words written on the Buffalo Rumblings website as well. So anyway, thanks so much again, Anthony. It's always fun having you on. No, man, it is always a pleasure to hang out with you and just uh, appreciate what you do each and every week with the show and It's just great to hang out. So thanks, man.